all the principles and things that we think about of how we run the business and leadership principles and all that, like I didn't invent any of that stuff. Frankly, all of it, uh, I, you know, I discovered through learning the teachings of Jesus. And I, I'd love for people to, to see kind of what we do and perhaps say, maybe I need to rethink the way I think about faith, the way I think about maybe the purpose of my life, the way I think about what I'm pursuing uh, and all that. And, and, and if, if that happens, even for a few people or even one person, then I, I think it would be worthwhile. We welcome you back to Chat with Leaders, where we amplify the voices of leaders who use business and influence as a force for good. We believe it's their example that will have a tremendous impact on our next generation of servant leaders who will carry us forward into our bright, sustainable future. In today's episode, Jeff Bond chats with Shane Jackson, president of Jackson Healthcare and author of Fostering Culture, a leader's guide to purposefully shaping culture. Jackson Healthcare is a family of highly specialized healthcare staffing, search, and technology companies. They provide healthcare systems, hospitals, and medical facilities of all sizes with the skilled and specialized labor and technologies they need to deliver high-quality patient care and achieve the best possible outcomes. While connecting healthcare professionals to the temporary engagements, contract assignments, and permanent placement employment opportunities they desire. Shane talks to Jeff about the power of storytelling in business, the importance of your core values showing up, and how leaders can use their platforms to do so much more than generate revenue. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Shane Jackson as much as we did. Over to you, Jeff. All right, Shane, welcome to Chat with Leaders. I am just so thrilled to have you on the show today and appreciate you sharing your gift, time, and wisdom with our community. Uh, thrilled to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, my pleasure. So it's it's been great getting to know you through conscious capitalism, admiring your leadership. And uh, it's often said that leaders should be super clear on their purpose and their why, but I know how hard that can be sometimes. But that's one thing I, I really admire about you is the clarity in which you approach your purpose. So what do you wish everybody understood about your why that fuels your leadership and how you've really been able to gain that clarity through your life experiences? Well, thanks for starting with an easy question to warm it up. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, what do I what do I wish everyone understood about and why? Let me tell you the way I think about this. And, and before I talk about me personally, I want, I want to talk about it from the perspective of the business because I, I think it help illustrate it. One of the things I talk about with our business often is that w one of my major goals for our business is that we are an inspiration to other people about how you can be very successful from a execution standpoint, a quality standpoint, a, a profit standpoint, like, you know, all of those things and do it in a way that has incredible impact on people's lives. And the reason I want that is because I want people to look at our business and go, what are they doing that's working so well and it and is obviously so different? And so it will perhaps inspire them to think about their business a little bit differently. And it's 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 just a big goal I have for our business. And and you know, for me personally, it reflects my desire as well. Um, and you know, there's a you and I have talked about this this before, but there's a there's a a directive that's in, in the Bible. 
and it says, uh, always be ready with an answer for the question of the hope that you have. Like, you know, when people go and the, the context behind this is like, people say like, wow, you, you live differently. Like you're, you're hopeful when everyone else is depressed. You know, it's another thing that Jesus says in the Bible. He's like, I want you to be light in the darkness. I mean, I want you to stand out. And the whole idea is like, I want you to live differently. So people go, why? Like, what? why do you have hope when everyone else um, doesn't? And, um, you know, that's, for me, that's that's really my desire is that I, I, I hope to lead away. I hope to live in a way. Uh, I hope that our business shows up in a way that people say that's different. It's not the reason or it's not the way that everyone else does things and say, well, why is that? And, you know, for, for, for me personally, uh, you know, I, I say this to our team, like all the principles and things that we think about of how, of how we run the business and leadership principles and all that, like I didn't invent any of that stuff. Frankly, all of it, you know, I discovered through learning the teachings of Jesus. And I, I'd love for people to, to, see kind of what we do and perhaps say, maybe I need to rethink the way I think about faith, the way I think about maybe the purpose of my life, the way I think about what I'm pursuing uh, and all that. And, and, and if, if that happens, even for a few people or even one person, then I, I think it will be worthwhile. Amen. Well, I'm so glad you went there and it's such an important message for any leadership community to hear. And we certainly lean in, into that uh, with chat with leaders and these conversations of faith and influence and utilizing the teachings of Jesus uh, to advance his kingdom here in the world through business. Even it's a great platform to be able to uh, further the kingdom and to live into the love that he teaches us uh, as leaders. And you can't refute the uh, evidence of the success of Jackson healthcare and, uh, and certainly it's a big responsibility for you as a servant leader. Um, but I really believe that that servant leadership title comes with a responsibility of influence. So you've earned this influence. You've been given this, this, this opportunity. When did you first realize the significance as a business leader, what that actually meant? Uh, uh, around uh, what it meant to be a servant leader and, and, yeah. and to carry that influence. One of the great great blessings, benefits, advantages I had in my life was that very early in my career, um, right, right after we started this business, I got to sit in a bunch of meetings, situations that really I probably didn't actually need to be in because I wasn't adding any value <laughs> at that point. But I got to see how others and really primarily how my father conducted himself and, and how he did things, how he carried conversations, how he made decisions and in, in, in all of that and, and pick up on a lot of the, the ways that he, he did things. And I learned a lot about business and, you know, just a, a lot of things in that. But one of the things that I think, um, I saw very clearly was him really obviously thinking about not just what was best for him, what was best for the business, but in these situations, what was genuinely in the best interest of the other person and watching him do these things and make these decisions that maybe actually even 
weren't great for him in the short term, but because he was so genuinely interested in the welfare of others, uh, uh, of the, the, and this the incredible impact that that had. And, and what I saw from that was, um, you know, good things happening in business, but especially with the, the people that he worked with day to day, what it meant to them to have someone, especially someone in, in a position of authority and influence like that, who was genuinely interested in them. I mean, it created incredible loyalty, incredible devotion, incredible energy and in, in all of that. And, um, you know, I don't know that we use the terms like servant leadership or whatever, but that's that's what it was. Um, and, um, you know, and so it, it's it's that's really kind of how I how I, I learned to be to be a leader. And, you know, you, you it's interesting how you you kind of combine that idea of servant leadership with influence, um, because it's that's something I I really think of a lot, um, you know, frankly, with with this business and where we are, it is given me a platform, right? I mean, I, you know, this is a pretty successful podcast. Um, you know, I, you would not have invited me to be on this were it not for the company, right? And so, you know, and so we all have uh, these these various levels of influence and platform, and and it's a real question, I think, of what we do with that. I mean, one of the things I've said in the past is that um, I think the ultimate test of a person's character is how they handle power. When you have leverage on someone, when you have power, what do you do within that moment? That tells what you really value. Um, and so, you know, uh, for me, kind of at this stage, it is trying to be very, very purposeful, very conscious of how I personally leverage uh, this platform, how this is a business, how we leverage the influence that we have um, and, and do it in a way that's genuinely in the best interest of others. Um, and, and by the way, I would say, and we can talk about this more, but I, I would say that mindset is what drives a lot of our success as a, as a business. Absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, something you said to me in the past is about this method of leadership and this way of thinking about it and this way of thinking about uh, influence is countercultural in the business world. Um, but I, I see kind of this change that's happening, particularly with our next generation uh, coming up, uh, where it's it's almost expected uh, that our leaders in business are carrying this with intention, that they're owning the responsibility of their influence over power and using that as a force for good. And that's really a large part of what I admire about you and Jackson Healthcare is the conscious capitalist aspect of that and that you are demonstrating how this is an effective way uh, to do business. And I think last I checked, you have 1600 associates, 15 plus clinician providers across 50 states, highly profitable business, billions of dollars. So, you know, Amid that comes a responsibility. It's actually now over two, over two thousand employees and approaching twenty thousand uh, uh, clinician providers. But who's counting? Yeah, what are, yeah. Uh, you should count, and and that's a big <laughs> win. And I figured you would correct me because I had a feeling that it's grown since I last checked. So I'm glad you did the fact check for me. Uh, so as the organization gets larger, there can be a tendency for that institution 
to dampen the inspiration? How do you prevent that from happening? Yeah, uh, well, a lot in there. So, I, you know, I would say, and, and, and this is, I wrote a book on this a few years ago, so I'm going to try to give you my book, you know, in, in the shortest amount, amount possible, because this question is what inspired me to write that book. I mean, we were at a time where uh, kind of transitioning um, some leadership responsibility from my dad to me, we were really starting to experience this just tremendous growth. And, um, and we, even at that time felt like our culture was, was a big part of why we were successful. Um, but I, I was sitting there going, how in the world am, am I going to translate that through all this growth? Right. And so if you think about, I mean, just real quickly, kind of what culture is, it's, um, it, it's like just the way we do things. And specifically, it's the atmosphere that's created by the decisions you make, right? Like, how does it feel to be a part of that group? And that's based on the things that as a group you decide to do and not to do. Um, and uh, all of that kind of creates this culture. And so, well, how do you learn that? Like, how, how do you learn when you go join a team, a group? What do we do? What do we not do? Right. And so, um, you know, I tell people you're having a culture conversation when you tell someone new, oh, we would never do that. here, Right. You know, that's sort of thing. But like, you know, so but how does how does that happen? Well, in a family. Right. It, it happens through observation. Right. All of us have a family and we, and we have our own family culture. And I, I like to kind of tell this this story. Like, let me tell you about a conversation that no one has ever had. You know, fathers takes his son or daughter, sits him down, says, you know, son. Uh, you're of age now. I think it's time that you learn something about our family. Uh, the way that we communicate is we like to yell and scream at each other. And so just so you know, oh, okay. like no one ever said that, right? No, you just, you're a kid and you're at the dinner table and everybody's yelling at each other and you start yelling too, just so you can be heard, right? It's, we, we, we learn from that. And so the challenge is as you grow as an organization, kind of the, the source of those things that we do and we don't do, people get further and further away from that. And we, and we all have these values and beliefs, these things that we think are true and that we think are precious that, um, that guide our decisions, they determine our decisions. And when there's a lack of clarity as an organization, what those things are for our group, people start inserting their own. And that's when, as you say, the you know the the institution starts losing its inspiration because uh, because people start saying, well, this is what I want, this is what I think is true, this is what I believe, and then you kind of get get all of this splintering. And so, so as I was going through this a few years ago, we're, and we're growing, and how do we you know make sure that these 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 values that we think are such the source of, of our of our success that you know that drive our culture, how do we do that? And so the answer that I came up with is I have to be incredibly diligent and purposeful around uh, creating incredible well, uh, awareness of our values and how they apply. Like that's it. And, and, and we, and you gotta do it through a number of ways. You gotta be relentless about it. And for me particularly, it's focusing on the leaders because the leaders throughout the organization, the way they behave, the way they incent, what they punish, what they like, all that sort of thing, that's going to drive the, the, the culture of their team and ultimately the organization. And so we said, we need incredible clarity with that group of what we value. And it needs to be so, 
so clear, not just what they are, but that it's really important and their ability to, to behave in ways that's consistent with that will determine their success here. And what that means is like, if you don't naturally kind of resonate with those values, go somewhere else. And so what, what has happened is then we, the, the, the opposite of that is we attract people that say like, I resonate with those values. I want to be like, that's natural to me. This is a place where I want to be a leader. Um, and you know, that's, it's really hard to do. We're not perfect at it, but that's how we think about it. So I see a direct through line from your higher purpose, which is one of the tenets that we know of conscious capitalism, along with stakeholder orientation, conscious leadership, conscious culture, very good on, on all of those tenets at Jackson Healthcare. But I see this, this intention to develop your leaders. And because you brought up Jesus before, we're going to have to continue this conversation, right? Because I remember hearing Michael Hyatt talk about the leadership strategy of Jesus, who he started with his kind of top three disciples that we always brought into the the inside um, miracles that he was performing during his public ministry. And then that went out to his 12 disciples that spread out to the 70 and all these became the apostles and the disciples of Christ that, you know, spread a big movement to what it is today. And that influence trickles down. But if, you know, you as the executive leader, were trying to be the master of a million and skip over the development of those leaders that would break a very vital component of what, how, what's made your organization successful. Uh, so I think that that strategy of, of really focusing on the leadership, what you just said, is just so spot on and often missed because I feel like, you know, the power and the influence of the leader can often uh, usurp, you know, the, that important step, I think, in the, in the development of your organization. That's just an observation. Yeah. Well, like I said, I didn't come up with any of this. And, and, uh, and I'll tell you one, one other thing kind of in that is you think about how Jesus did that, right? So first of all, he invited his, you know, those, those core disciples to go experience things with him, right? And then he, they'd walk away and they go, can you explain that to it? Like what just happened, right? And he, and he would talk about it. So it's kind of similar thing. They weren't adding any value there. They were just going like, what's happening? And they walk and explain but here's, here's the other thing, and this is something that I think as a leader, I tell people the, the two best tools you have to spread your culture, meaning to help people understand what we do and what we don't do. One is experience, bring people in, sit alongside with me. The second is storytelling. I mean, you know, it, it is, it's, it's the, and it get back to the family. Like, you know, we, we had them, my wife and I had this moment with our kids the other day where we were telling them stories about my wife's grandmother because we were helping them understand why education is important in our family. And it all goes back to her grandmother who grew up on a poor dirt farm in East Texas. And, got, and it's a, this incredible story, but it, it helped my kids understand, like give them context for why we do some of the things we do. Well, so by the way, what did Jesus do in his teaching? He told stories all the time. He's like, oh, let me tell you another parable and another parable, right? And then, you know, disciples go, what did that mean, right? Whatever. And it's it's because he's trying to help people understand the context behind these principles versus just teaching them. And that is one of the things that personally I try to do and we try to do 
so much. One of my um, favorite, I'll tell you this real quick, because this is several years ago, but we had um, um, two people that we had brought in directly kind of into a, a, a manager leader role, line level leader role. And, and typically at that time, especially we hadn't done that. We'd promote from within. We we're growing so fast. We had to bring these people in. I was concerned about it, that we weren't good at it because they didn't know the way we did things. And yet, anyway, so they had both been here for about 90, 120 days and I brought them both in and I was just like, how's it going? What are you, you know, it's just kind of one of these check-ins. And one of the guys said, you know, I, I mean, I think it's pretty good. I'm getting up to speed, whatever. And the other guy said, I feel like I've been here for years. This is the best orientation I've ever been through. And I went, what? I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, well, why do you say that? And he said, well, let me tell you what my manager, my boss has done. Every day since I've been here, I've walked into her office at five o'clock. We have a standing five o'clock appointment. I go to her office and for about 30 minutes, she tells me stories. That's it. She tells me, oh, let me tell you about the time that this happened. Or, oh yeah, that customer, let me tell you about you know, the time this, or that person, let me just, he said, so I feel like I know all the, the history. I have all the content. I feel like I've been here forever. And it just, it, it was a awareness for me of the power of storytelling and helping people very quickly understand uh, the, the, not just the what, but the why you do things. I love it. And that's part of the remembrance of, you know, what's come before us and you have to know the story to own the story, to change the story, to be the story, to carry on that, that legacy, which is the important reason for this ancient form of storytelling in organizations. And I'm so glad you went there too, because I think a lot of organizations are now realizing with distributed teams and larger organizations that stories are often lost amid that. And for whatever reason, I feel like that wasn't really discussed uh, let's just say pre-pandemic, you know, you never really heard businesses talking about the importance of storytelling. Why do you think now has become such a moment where storytelling is, has become, I don't want to say it's a buzzword because I think it's so important uh, for, to design human experiences within organizations that make people want to come and stay. Uh, but why do you think it's become such an important conversation about how storytelling plays into business these days? Um, I don't know if I have an answer, but I have a suspicion. I, I think with a, the move towards remote and hybrid work, we have lost so much informal time, you know, in, in a lot of the, these, these moments where you learn some of this happen, you know, they don't happen as you're in a meeting going through an agenda. They happen as you're walking out of the meeting and go get some coffee. Right. Or they happen in kind of these these more serendipitous moments. I had um, I, I'm, I'm working on another book right now and I, I did a um, an interview actually as part of the, my research for for the book uh, with a lady who's an anthropologist. And and I, we were talking about kind of how people think about time and why they make choices for their time. And one of the things she was talking about is that in, um, you know, like hunter gatherer society. Um, they, they, they're, they're, they got to find food and all that sort of thing. But then they're, what you would kind of consider leisure time is, you know, they're sitting around and they're weaving baskets or they're making tools or they're doing things. But while they do that, they're all together and they're talking. And she said, that's when, you know, things like gossip happen. 
And that's when storytelling happens. That's when relationship and like all of the things that are passed on to the kids, that's when they happen. Well, we don't have that in our society anymore. By the way, I think this probably explains to some degree the incredible attraction of social media. It's that, it's that desire, that need that we have in us to connect with story and to connect with community. And, um, it, you know, and so with, with businesses, we just, we don't have, we have the work time. We don't have the sitting around time where so much of that happens and, and so much of that context is communicated. And especially now where we're just, we're, we're not around each other in informal moments. And, and I think it is, you know, you hear so many CEOs right now talking about like, we've lost our culture. We've lost our culture. I got to get everybody back together. And it's not because we can be more effective having a meeting sitting across the table versus on, on Zoom. Uh, it's because we need all those moments before and after. And, and, and I, I think that core problem is something that everyone's struggling with right now. Yeah, I know you said it was a suspicion, but I suspect you're right. And it takes a <laughs> lot of extra intention for leaders to build a culture of connection and engagement through story. And you know, I've seen a lot of ways in which organizations are doing that at their all hands that we've helped produce or like in other contexts where you're meeting with people, but you're slowing down and telling stories like that one line leader shared about with his next level manager and how meaningful that was to onboard him to the to the culture and help have a deeper sense of connection to humanity. If there's one thing we all have in common is that our lives are comprised of stories. Our organizations are comprised of stories. So um, I'm so glad you're doing that. And I know that through your book uh, and the book's name is Fostering Culture, A Leader's Guide to Purposefully Shaping Culture. There's a lot of good nuggets of wisdom in there about how to develop you know, that culture. And I know that a lot of people that are listening are going to want to know what, what's just like one or two practical things that I can do <laughs> to ensure that we have a well-defined purpose and culture as, you know, this conscious capitalist that you describe that drives both the financial results and the well-being for its internal and external stakeholders. What, what would you tell that, that leader today? If I'm talking to a leader about, you know, how, how, just what are some kind of practical things you can do to help really kind of install, instill culture and, and, you know, to your point, starting with the assumption that you have some clarity on your core values, your why, right? You know, th that's step one. If you don't, it's going to be difficult. But, but assuming that you do, okay, practically, what, do you, what would you do? Um, one thing I would go to, and, and you just talked about this and you used a word I love, which is intentionality, right? And in a, a, a more remote world where we don't get the benefit of the serendipitous moments where we just run into each other and it kind of happens, you've got to be more intentional. However, I would tell you, even in an impersonal world, as a leader, if you want to help people understand these core values and beliefs that you have and your business has, you still have to be intentional and take the time to do it, right? And so here, here's, here's an example of this. Um, one of the things I try to do, especially with, with someone that we've maybe identified as high potential or, or somewhere trying to develop and that sort of thing, is, is we will be, you know, in a meeting, we're going to make this decision. Here's what we're doing, right? Okay, next on the agenda. 
What I try to do is say, hold on before, guys, let me tell you why. Like, this is what we're doing. The, the easy, short thing, efficient thing would be to say, that's the decision next. From a culture building standpoint, from a development standpoint, we'll say, guys, let me tell you why I'm doing it. Here's the principle behind it. Here's what I, you know, what I think. This is why we're, we're making that decision. Um, and it, it takes a little more time. It, you, it, it requires some intentionality on it. Um, but, but that's the type of thing of helping people really resonate with, with the why uh, that, that I think is, is important. Um, the, the other thing is, is, I would say, is if you are a large organization and you have formal learning and development, right? Or even if you're a small organization and you don't have formal learning and development, However you are training people, however you are developing your leaders, however you're communicating to them, this is how we want to learn, is just to be really purposeful about viewing that through the lens of not just technical capability or uh, uh, you know, these certain habits or management strategies or whatever, view it through the lens of culture, meaning view it through the lens of these are the core values and beliefs that drive all of our decisions and how does that show up in this situation? And and again, if you if you if you're doing an L and D, view your leadership training through that to help people make that connection to the practicality of how these things work. If you don't, and you're just you've got somebody sitting with them, take the time, be purposeful about telling those stories. And and you know it, it's it really requires viewing everyone in the organization, everything you do through that lens. And even though it feels like it may take a little more time up front, over time, I would say it makes you incredibly efficient because next time that person faces that decision and you're not around, they already understand the principles behind how you would view that. They don't need you. And they're passing it along to the next person that they have influence over. So whether they're leading a project or a team, it's because you made those values evident and visible in every single touch point and every single moment that you had that question to ask, it then permeates the culture, you know, naturally. Right. I mean, it's great. It's great stuff. So Shane, such a, a pleasure to be with you today. And I so value your leadership. We'll include links to the book, how to follow you on LinkedIn, how to go to your website. I highly recommend that to our listeners today. Is there anything that we didn't cover today that you hope that we did that isn't just important wisdom for leaders to consider in today's marketplace? You know, I, I think one thing I would say, and, and this is pretty hot topic right now, and, and I think it's worth addressing just for a moment, is everything's being discussed about ESG. And, and by the way, what a just interesting case study of a rise and quick fall of some, you know, concept and just, you know, incredibly controversial. And the whole debate around shareholder capitalism and stakeholder capitalism, you know, and, and all that sort of thing, which we don't have time to go in today, but I think the answer is both. But we won't get into that. Um, but he, here's what I would say is I think one of the tendencies of human beings is to take something that is inherently neither good nor evil, maybe something inherently good, and use it for our self-interest, right? And, and, and I think it's unfortunate that there 
are so many incredibly valuable concepts. And you've talked about conscious capitalism. I think there's just there's there's some richness to some of the things that that uh, the people in that movement talk about that are are brilliant strategy, like just if nothing else, brilliant strategy in, in, in running your business. But people who are trying to virtue signal or whatever have have have, have taken that and um, and it's just caused all kind of controversy. And we could go into all the good and the bad and, and whatever everything that's going on there. Here here's what I would say. As a leader, um, do you need to provide a return for your shareholder value? Absolutely. Do you need to run a profitable business? Yeah. If you don't, you won't be in, in business very long. But I would encourage you to think about this. And this is a question that I've loved to ask leaders for years. 10 years from now, if, if I were to ask someone who worked from you, tell me, you know, hey, you work for Jeff. What did you get out of working for Jeff? The, the answers I always get is like, well, I mean, I hope they'd say like, you know, they became a better person. They grew. They, you know, they got good feedback, you know, like, like wisdom for me, whatever. What I've never heard anyone say is, well, I want them to say they got a paycheck. Right. Because we just inherently like we kind of we like, oh, we have this 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 relationship, this opportunity with these people that we're leading. And like, I mean, I want them to feel like they're better because of it. Right. We are. We have to give them a paycheck or they'll probably stop working. But, you know, but that's kind of how, how it works as a business. You have to be excellent. You have to deliver quality. You have to generate a profit. You have to generate returns. But you have the platform. You have the opportunity to do so much more. And forget the terms. Forget whatever Wall Street is saying about it or whatever. When you look back on your life and your tenure as a leader, what are you going to wish you had done? Yeah, it's maximized profits, but think of all the other people that you intersect with on a daily basis, and more importantly, that your business interacts with on a daily basis, and what what kind of impact can you have on them? And that's, you know, as a leader, forget all the rest. Let's focus on that. It's an incredible call to action. Great way to close. Shane Jackson, president of Jackson Healthcare and author of Fostering Culture. Shane, thank you so much for this gift of time together today. Yeah, thanks again so much for having me. Great. Well, that wraps up another edition of Chat with Leaders. Thank you for investing your time with us today. If you haven't already, we would be grateful if you shared this episode with a friend and rated it on Apple or wherever you get your podcast so we can pass down the wisdom from our guests to more aspiring leaders. If you're interested in launching a professional podcast to grow your business, we would love to help. Check out chatwithleaders.com for more information and feel free to reach out by emailing team at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again and go be a leader worth following.